Hi, Brett and LT here. If you thought last year's Wellness Summit was big, just wait for the 2016 edition. New speakers, incredible venue, world-class exhibitors, and 1,000 of your closest wellness enthusiasts hanging around all in one place. A strictly limited number of two-for-one tickets have just been released, so get in whilst you can enjoy the Wellness Summit for less than $10 per hour. We haven't released any tickets for quite some time, and this block of tickets are available right now. All you have to do is go to thewellnesssummit.com. That's thewellnesssummit.com. Enter your name and your details, and then mark off your calendar for the 10th and 11th of September in your diary, and we'll see you at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Center for the biggest wellness event of the year. You're listening to the One Minute Mindfulness Show with Vicky Kelly and Natalie MacGyver. This is the One Minute Mindfulness Show where we all get to take a breath and explore the life-giving power of reclaiming and retraining our attention towards a happier, healthier, more joyful experience of living. I'm Vicky Kelly and it's a welcome to the show and I have to say today I am very excited to uh, introduce you to one of my newer friends and, and as it turns out, neighbours. We've got uh, Lynn Walder with us today, who's a psychotherapist and a personal development coach. And I first met Lynn. Uh, she ha- has a beautiful, a beautiful daughter who goes to school with with my daughter. And Lynn was teaching some mindfulness in in the classroom and my daughter Grace came home and she was so excited about this lovely lady who was so fun and so playful and it it was Lynn and Lynn as I said is a psychotherapist and she's um, worked all over the world and she gained her stripes interestingly in some of some really tough environments working in prisons and um, in psychiatric hospitals um, with really challenging clients, and we'll we'll learn we'll get Lynn to enlighten us and illuminate us a little bit more on that. Um, so today we're going to be exploring with with Lynn some some great um, tools and and ideas as we always do on the show for you beautiful omlings, but also just some insights into what's happening um, on an education level for our, our beautiful children. So. It's a welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Vicky, thank you for such a wonderful introduction. <laughs> I'm very flattered. Hi. I yes. to say it was Grace. It was Grace who was the, your um, the raving fan at the beginning. <laughs> oh well, I'm glad. I'm I'm very pleased about that. She was a fabulous participant. She <laughs> made it very easy for me. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about what's your background. How did you get into this whole? development thing world oh okay so in a previous life I was a jet setting fashion designer for 17 years and I worked all over the world oh that's why you always look so gorgeous oh (laughs) I don't know I think uh yeah uh and then I had my first child which of course uh, puts a bit of a few limitations on what you can do i.e you can't just jump on a plane and get to Paris yeah absolutely. so I went back to university and retrained as a psychotherapist and then followed that with training around um, personal development coaching. And the two together work really, really well because it means when I get clients for um, coaching, if there's deeper seated issues, I don't need to refer them to a counsellor. I can work with them so I can. it can be continuous because clients find that really um, disorientating if they've got to go and repeat their story to someone else and they're dotting between two, two uh, professionals. Um, 
And so I worked in psychiatric wards in the UK with men who were sectioned under the Mental Health Act. It was a forensic ward, which meant they should have been in prison. And they all were diagnosed with personality disorder. And I used to get uh, attacked and threatened and, and wow. whatever. They were all males, but I loved it. Okay. Then if that wasn't enough, I came to New Zealand and worked in a dual diagnosis drug rehabilitation, um, working with addicts uh, of all kinds, drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling. And then finally, I wanted a, a better, bigger challenge than that. So I decided maxim, maximum, maximum security prison with 950 male prisoners wow my next challenge (laughs) (laughs) my first day in there I was absolutely sweating because I like to push my comfort zone and stretch and see what I I can do Mm -hmm. and I like to put myself in very uncomfortable situations I've got a crazy woman (laughs) well crazy uh yeah but I tell you what it taught me so many invaluable lessons I would not have I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have not done it for anything. It was one of the best experiences and I absolutely loved it. And then that, you know, and then that wasn't enough. You had to, you had to delve even deeper and get even crazier. And now you're teaching mindfulness in schools. I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think working with 950 male prisoners was good training for um, working for, (laughs) with your eights and and under, basically. (laughs) Uh, but it was the guys in the prison that inspired me to actually create programs for schools and go out there and push them. Because in my sessions with the guys, I used to teach them emotional regulation, anger management, mindfulness, um, emotional intelligence, all of these regulatory tools. And they said to me often, Miss, why didn't they teach us this in schools? We never had anything like this. We didn't know this stuff. Mm. And that's why I'm passionate about driving this in schools. Wow. And so how long, Lynn, have you been uh, offering programs and teaching programs in schools? Obviously, I I only learned about what you were doing um, as a direct result of Grace being at St. Thomas last year. And as I said, she loved that. But was that your first year or had you have you been doing um, those uh, mindfulness programs in schools for longer than that? No, no, that was my first year and I'm in my second year now again with that school and with another school as well. And then I'm also collaborating with another organisation in Auckland who are already in schools and they do this kind of thing only through sport. And I'm also um, going to be working with some schools in West Auckland where there's a lot of kids who are in the youth justice system. They've been expelled. They're not at school. So these sort of skills and tools are really useful to them. Uh, And I've also done some teacher training because this stuff is, um, if it's just the children who are learning it in the classroom and the teachers aren't Mm. on board with it and they're not aware of themselves and how they might be impacting a class, then they're not role modelling what needs to be role modelled to the children. Exactly, exactly. So so it it becomes and do you do you have um a personal practice of mindfulness that that you do sort of is is the work that you're teaching grounded in your own practice or is it is it a combination of all of your experience over the years and particularly working with people who um who who with all due respect would would lack 
um, a lot of emotional intelligence, particularly probably that self-awareness and self-regulation elements. You're completely right, Vicky, because that was the common thread between all of the places that I worked. All of the clients in there, they had very, very low EQ or emotional intelligence, and they certainly weren't mindful. So that was the common thread that linked them all, which got me thinking, these are the skills we've got to give to our kids, otherwise they might end up in these places. Um, With regard to question, I do, it's a bit of both. So as a result of all of my experience, but I do practice myself twice a day, I do 20 minutes meditation. Um, And I try to apply it to my everyday life, but, you know, with the best will in the world, um, two active kids, one of them a teenage, my mindfulness sometimes slips. (laughs) Hey, doesn't it? Doesn't it for all of us? But you know what? That's the great thing about this show, and this is the the aim of this show is really to get to get mindfulness and meditation and our get get our personal work off the cushion and into life. And yeah. so that's why we're we've got this show happening, and all of our omlings have their own little personal practices that they that they love to um, they love to indulge in that. Um, it's where life informs their practice. So it's just little reminders, whether it's their breath, whether they're brushing their teeth with their opposite hand, whether they're, um, you know, just um, pausing and taking a breath um, is is something that we all, I think, need reminding of whether or not we have a formal practice. And I know myself, I've got a formal practice, and yet sometimes um, before I know it, I find myself um, in well, the gap between impulse and reaction is is very low. So <laughs> it's almost minus, so minuscule, you don't see it, isn't it? Yeah, that's very true. So, what do you when you go into the schools? Can you give us, you know, a, a five minute nutshell of what that program looks like for the kids? What what are they experiencing when you go into this into the classroom? So first of all, I always start with a mindfulness uh, meditation of some kind. Uh, their favourite is the chocolate eating one. <laughs> mindfulness. I kind of thought, you know, let's kick off with one they're actually going to focus on. And chocolate does the trick. They really focus on that one. It'll do the trick yeah, for me too. Yeah, and me. And so I get them to close their eyes and put their hand behind the back and I'm going to put something into the hand. So already I get them to start noticing the thoughts that they're having about that before they've even done anything. You know, because they've they've just met me. Um, they, I'm asking them to close their eyes and then I'm going to put something in the hand. It creates all kinds of thoughts for them and all kinds of feelings. Mm. Uh, and then I put the chocolate in the hand and we do the, the taste it, what sensations are coming up, let the thoughts go. And and so every the beginning of every session, I'll do a different kind of mindfulness meditation or activity to show them that there are different ways of, of, of um, utilizing and practicing and developing mindfulness. So that's usually the introduction to each session. But then I follow with um, emotional intelligence uh kind of process and it's it's broken down into four parts which I do over a period of maybe eight weeks and we start with self-awareness so I get the kids to find out where you know picture where they might feel I do it all with with games and quizzes and a bit of art because it's so boring for kids to just listen to someone at the front of the class they've got attention spans you know that you've got to keep them stimulated so I I 
design my teaching to suit all different learning styles as well, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, all of those things. And and so it's it's fun for them. It's got to be fun. So we, we, we discuss where you might feel emotions, what emotions are for, how they feel. We expand their emotional vocabulary. We do things like the ABC alphabet of emotions and see if they can fill the whole alphabet with emotion words. Then we'll do self-management and look at what kind of things trigger them, the early warning signs um, and strategies to manage those uncomfortable feelings. But always telling them that it's okay to feel uncomfortable feelings. And isn't that amazing? You, I, I wonder, I wonder how many kids in, you know, in in your classes, but in any classroom, have have never been told that that it's yes. okay to feel uncomfortable feelings. You see, from from my pr- private practice, Vicky, I deal with the fallout. Uh, I get adults through who have never ever spoken to their parents. It's so about true, it. so true. And so, if you can get children early on to start talking about feelings but not only the pleasant ones but the unpleasant ones and see that there's no shame in feeling them and no you know getting them not to be afraid of them but teaching them that all of our feelings are relevant but they're all neutral until you give them a meaning they're all communication with us to keep us on you know tell us what right what decisions to make what we like what we don't like whether a situation's good for us our feelings are our best friends. It's just mm. how, how you manage them and, and learning to interpret what they've got to say. Oh, what a what an amazing way to um, to be in relationship with our feelings, like they are our, like they are our best friends. All of them. All of them are. Yeah. yeah, we've got quite a few of them. You know, we go through the number of feelings with. You know, we've got there's I think there's probably 90 different names and words for different feelings and emotions. But psychologists have identified five or six. Mm. So we expand their vocabulary because when children can't express with words how they feel, they just react and they their behavior demonstrates how they're feeling. And so I use the classroom as an opportunity. Also, you know, if 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 a child's talking when I've asked him not to. Instead of just asking him to stop talking again or putting him outside the class or her, could be a girl, of course. <laughs> of course. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll turn that into a learning opportunity for the whole class and I'll say, okay, let's look at why so-and-so might be choosing to talk. What's this behaviour? What's driving this behaviour? Because the behaviour itself is just an effect of something else. There's something driving it. And so it's really amazing how they all come up with ideas of what, Johnny might be thinking to start the feelings and what feelings might be coming from those thoughts. Is he bored? Is he frustrated? Is he unstimulated? Is he hungry? All of these things. And they can see the link to how their behaviours are actually as a result of their thoughts and their feelings. And that's the way you can get them to turn their behaviours around rather than just being punitive and addressing the behaviour. Well, what a... What an absolute gift. And and I can imagine anyone that's listening right now is thinking, I w- firstly, I wish I had had that when I was at school. But secondly, for the parents um, who are listening, it would be, wow, we want Lynn in our school. <laughs> yeah, I'll come along. Just give me, give me a name. Um, because my goal, Vicky, is to get this on every school's curriculum, to get it on the national curriculum. 
it's almost a sense of urgency for me because, you know, the rising statistics for mental health issues, addictions, uh, technology, all kinds of things throw me into a panic. And no, well, and this, it's amazing, isn't it? Particularly, you know, particularly our young developing minds have so much access, have access to so much technology now, at, and it's expanding at a breaknecking rate. I, I heard, I heard for the first time last year, there are more devices in the world than there than there is population. Oh, that, oh don't <laughs> tell me that. I'm going to have a panic attack. I need to do some breathing. <laughs> okay, let's let's take a breath. It'll be all right. Describe oh. your feelings. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can do that quite easily. They're not my pleasant ones either. Yeah, but isn't it incredible? And you would you would see this firsthand as as a mother, um, and you know, with Amelie's friends, as well. But also seeing it in in um, the classroom that that kids there are there's a lot of vacancy between the years with some some of the kids sometimes it's it's almost like the that um there's so much out there that's hijacking their attention that they're everywhere else except there that's that's a great way to describe it hijacking their attention because there's so many distractions and so many things vying for their attention the new shiny now, thing whatever it is yeah that the heads the heads are spinning you know and and it's just total overload there's information overload the sensory overload for these kids and no wonder that they they can't concentrate for more than five minutes um so, so what what are the teachers saying so you've you've been in a, a number of classrooms you've you've developed this amazing program and now you've been able to deliver it in a classroom setting what were the feedback from the teachers because I'd be really interested to know you know what what did they notice well, the teachers are that luckily they are so enthusiastic to such a degree that they sit there taking notes themselves. They take pictures of the whiteboard that I've written on and they continue it after I've left the classroom and they put the things on the wall and they ask me, um, do I do adult one on one for this kind of thing? Um, teacher training. Yes, I do. And some of the parents from um, the school have referred their children to me. Children who are suffering um, anxiety and have been for quite a while and yeah. the parents are a little bit at a lost, you know, not knowing what to do with it. So they're referring their children to me for one-to-one -one kind of coaching mm -hmm. around how they can develop their own sense of self-awareness and management. And so, Lynn, in, in those situations, are you, are you um, just really deepening what you've you know what you've already taught in that framework around um, self awareness and self regulation and being able to being able to manage their feelings in a in a more resourceful way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because in a, in a classroom setting, you've got like thirty children and you've mm. got a whole range of learning abilities at times and attention spans. So you've you've got to be You've got to be able to go with the flow. You can't really be too scripted. And like I say, the classroom's always an opportunity for real life scenarios. You know, mm. if there's there was a I did an exercise this week. It was on uh, the empathy part of EQ. Yes. Um, yeah. We do an empathy, and I'd ask them to get into uh, teams of six to do an exercise. 
And there was a couple of children stood in the middle of the classroom. Nobody had invited them to join their team or, you know, they were they were left out. And I said, stop right there. I'm not seeing any empathy being shown to these two children in, in this in this centre of the classroom here. And we talked about further what empathy would look like. What could they be doing to show empathy to these kids? So everything's a learning opportunity for them mm. um, in, in the classroom. Sorry, Vicky, have, have I gone off tangent there? What was your original question? So it's so it, everything that I go deeper, yeah, saying yeah. is is absolutely uh, amazing, and I'm I'm just loving. I'm trying to put myself or you know my kids into a classroom, and just that experience that you talked about then, kids having to to step up and. Uh, and and notice is it it's it's in the noticing isn't it sometimes the noticing it's, completely but that's where that's where the mindfulness comes in Vicky mm. to, be able to to notice and observe not just yourself but other people and what they might be feeling you know we do I do a quiz with them where they've got uh, twelve slides of uh, different facial expressions and we learn about the fact that people can be communicating without saying any words at all in fact communication. It's only 7% words. Mm. And so when they hear that, they can't believe it, that it's actually body language, it's facial expressions. And we do a quiz to see if they can get the right emotions from the faces that I'm showing them. So they are learning to read how their friends might be feeling. So their awareness is not just about them, it's about other people as well, which then leads into relationship building and relationship management. Which is which is ironic in itself, isn't it? Because, we, you know, we, we can be – technology offers us the opportunity to be more connected than we've ever been, and yet what, we, what we're noticing and, and the data's, you know, coming out saying that actually our kids are more disconnected yeah, emotionally than they've ever been. That's the so, thing, Vicky. They might be they might be technically connected, yeah. like technology connected, but emotionally they're moving further and further away from their core of self. Mm. And um, and their their ability to be able to um, be compassionate and kind and lay down those pathways in the brain for empathy, which which as you highlighted is one of the key components of our ability to 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 have this thing called emotional intelligence of course and you know what I, I don't know if I've spoken to you about this before but one of the most shocking things I heard recently was that they've some company had developed empathy robots for a call center yeah so empathy robot <laughs> tells the call center workers how to deal with a disgruntled caller yeah. I just can't believe that that's what we've come to I know I know and and it's incredible that you know, two, three decades ago, this thing called empathy and kindness and compassion was modelled through our behaviour, the parents' behaviour, yeah. you know, the mother, father, through our communities and our tribes. And as as we get more automated, we have less need to, to um, exist in relationship with others when it comes to our service providers or the people that, you know, that we need you know, with online shopping or self-checkout or yeah. whatever, you you know, you can, you can almost get anything online now. We don't need to interact with people. And yet the downside of not interacting on that basic level means that we don't lay down those pathways to be able to, to know the cues that somebody might be in need. 
That's right. And and so we're becoming estranged from ourselves and from other people, which yeah. is a terrifying place to be going because in this ever-changing, fast, complex world, we actually need each other more than ever before. Mm. We need compassion and empathy and kindness and all of those things. That's going to actually mend the world and heal it, where, in fact, EQ with each generation is declining dramatically. Mm. And and because and these are seen just, as soft yeah, skills. Just just to um for for our omlings, just to um give it a nutshell on EQ, we're talking about self awareness as as the first. So knowing knowing what we're feeling in the beginning. So it, it being yeah. able to notice that we're feeling something. So knowing what we're feeling and being able to um identify what that is and actually um put a name to it I guess without labeling I don't you know I yeah. still avoid I don't want them to be labeling and judging things but they need to be able to make sense of it so that's the self-awareness big to notice themselves to observe themselves you know to stand yeah. back from yeah. themselves then the second part is self-management so okay what do you do with this information and it's like okay you've got these unpleasant feelings that are going to come up Instead of reacting to them, you can respond to them in a in a more calm and controlled manner. So and is that like increasing the gap between impulse and action? Yes. <laughs> well, you know, every every they wonder why they end up in trouble re- yes. in trouble repeatedly, and that's because they are reacting. They are impulsive instead of stopping, pausing, observing what they're doing, and making a different choices to what they do next. And I've heard, and you may be able to um, give some um, illumination on this, but I've heard that that second element of of self management or self regulation one of the one of the key keys to that is delayed gratification. Oh yeah, yeah, delayed gratification. Is that, is that one of the sort of the the components of that being able to regulate our own behaviour? Totally, but yeah. in order to regulate something, you've got to be aware of it. Mm. And you've got to understand how the behavior works as well. Otherwise, you just end up in it and you're reacting again and you're just dragged along by the behavior. And so, yeah, it's that's the second part, the self-management. And the next. And so that so those two elements um, are, are an inner focus, aren't they? So they're an inner focus. Yeah. yeah. So you've got your, your personal competencies and the yes, second yeah. part of AQ are your social competencies, which are yeah. empathy and relation manage, relationship management. They're the second part of um, EQ. So that's about your environment and the people within it and how you're responding to them. And, you know, how you might be contributing to certain situations. How well we play with others. Yeah, how well we play with them, indeed. Because, <laughs> you know, and, and that region, you know, we, we are in such a blame culture as well. You mm. know, in organisations, of blame, kids like to blame. And and, and that takes away your power when you, when you feel you've got to blame other people. Mm. Whereas if you can see how you might be contributing to a situation, and you can see how you might be affecting someone else by your behaviours, then you can be accountable for those behaviours and you can change them rather than just pointing the finger and saying, you made me feel whatever. Exactly. It's accountable for your own feelings. And do you feel And do you feel like, Lynn, um, what I'm getting from what you're saying is you're not only are you um, 
helping these kids and exploring the potential for their own understanding their own emotions and understanding other people's emotions. But you're making it safe for them to show up to their what may be termed as weaknesses or to show up when they do make a mistake in a safe way because they can be kind with themselves about that. And if needed, they can confront a situation and say no in a kind way and not necessarily a, a reactive way. Yeah, and that, that's that's really summed up really nicely there, Vicky. It is, it's about teaching them how to be assertive, but in a kind way, you know, putting in boundaries in place, um, respecting other people's feelings, but still not having to people please. They don't have to do things just to please other people. Because mm. that can I- certainly be one of those the balance is the, well well if we can't stand up for ourselves then we're, we're just going to be walked over and it's not yeah. about that either no it's not about that and you know EQ has been found to be um, really linked with bullying as well both mm. for the victims and the perpetrators and by learning EQ reduces the incidences of bullies in of bullying because when you raise self-awareness um, for the bully and the victim but also when you raise um, empathy and bring empathy into it and the bully has to put themselves in the other person's shoes and learn those sort of skills, it reduces that sort of thing. Which is which is the, a story for a whole other show. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that whole um, bullying side of things and the, the, the um, devastation of the self-esteem movement. And thankfully we're, we're moving out of that and back into a, a more, you know, self-compassion yes. and kindness movement. Um, and I know that I absolutely know that the, the work that you're doing in, in mindfulness and particularly in schools would be shifting the pin on um, the, the massive bullying problem that, that we, we continue to have in schools, particularly at that um, pre-pubescent sort of yeah. teenage moving into the, you know, into the high school and college college times um this almost it's bringing us to the end of of another show however i'm going to have you back if that's okay lynn because we've got i just in that conversation i think we have at least another four shows that we (laughs) (laughs) Um, because it's always wonderful to get you know that nutshell and the overview but just to be able to delve into some of those topics that you obviously have some beautiful insights and amazing experience in. I'd love to have you back. Would you come back on the show? I'd love to. I mean, it's things I'm passionate about, Vicky, obviously. You I'm, can tell. I'm invested in that. I've got a girl, a teenage daughter and a boy who's 11, so they're going to be facing all of these things, yeah. already facing them. And bullying is a, is a button of mine that if it gets pressed, Exactly. I'm off, you know. Um, oh, exactly, exactly. And now, and now you've got a neighbour and a friend who's got a teenage daughter, so <laughs> she might need some help too. <laughs> hey, Lynn, like always with everyone that comes onto our show, what's something that um, our omlings could do, one or two practices that they could do that would take them a minute or less? And probably one of them, and I love the one about close your eyes, hands behind your back, and putting a little bit of chocolate in in um, the hand and having a, a mindful moment with whatever we're putting into our mouths. I love that one. Yeah, because you you you're not able to judge what it is because you have you haven't mm-hmm. seen what it is. So yeah. that that really makes you go inside yourself, and especially the the case you've got your eyes closed, which always heightens your senses, etc. But also using smells as well, um, strong smelling things, and really 
um, making your focus rest on what it is you're smelling and breathing in the scent and, and focusing all your attention on that or the touching, which you've just said about the chocolate, but you could give a child an object to touch, a ball, a feather, something tactile, and ask them to describe what the object feels like with their eyes closed. Um, there's all kinds of things. Oh, oh wow. Okay, so so essentially, if we were to frame it up, it's um, utilising our senses, utilising all of our senses to, to tr train our, retrain our attention. Yeah, it, back, it basically is. Retraining your attention. When we do those sort of exercises, the kids say to me, that's the best piece of chocolate I've ever eaten. Mm -hmm. I could taste the flavours. It felt really nice because mm -hmm. usually if they're anything like me, they'll just shove a whole bar down in one shot and, and on you go. I know. Um, it's in, it's in, <laughs> inhaling of the chocolate bar. Inhaling, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it gives you a, a heightened experience. So you don't actually need to eat as much chocolate. So actually, that's good for for weight issues as well. Always great for the for our us gobblers. Well, Lynn, thank you so much. It's been so amazing. Omlings, you've got some amazing practices to go on there. Um, get some flowers and and smell the roses and pause. Uh, do lots of um mindful have lots of mindful moments with your beautiful children. And, Lynn, I look forward to welcoming you back onto our show at, at some time in the future. Um, there are so many ways that we can all stay connected together on in our show but also in our communities. We've got the Wellness Couch and there's so many other wonderful shows for you to explore. Please do go to our website, www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash omm is our show but as i said there's so many other shows you can like um our on page on facebook join our community of omlings and just can i backtrack a little lynn if people want to get in contact with you how can they do that um they can go to my website which is www.polka.coaching or one word dot co dot nz and they can contact me through that or they can email me lynn at polka.coaching.co.nz. Great. And what we'll do is I'll go up um, onto our on page on Facebook and maybe link your page on there so that people can get in contact with you if they would love to. Would that be okay with you? That would be fabulous, Vicky. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. And like always, beautiful omlings, if you love this episode too, please do go now and post, tweet or share it with your favourite online tribe. And of course, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the Wellness Couch on iTunes. So until next time, please do remember. Remember to pause, breathe and smile your way towards your most joyful and connected self, allowing this joy to expand your heart and warmly wash over the hearts of everyone you meet. Until next time. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.